Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for the goodness of God? Hallelujah. The Lord is good, isn't he? Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Brother Dennis, I want to save my text for a little later in the sermon. I'm just going to kind of talk my way to it, if that's okay. There are times in your life when you really ought to pay attention. In fact, there are times and places where you simply must pay attention. There, there, there are situations that you come to where it will behoove you to pay attention. Amen? There's an organization called Greenpeace. How many knows what Greenpeace is? They are an organization that intensely defends the environment. Greenpeace has a boat. The name of that boat is the Rainbow Warrior. The Rainbow Warrior travels the world's waterways in an effort to protect the oceans. But in October of 2005, while they were studying the effects of global warming on a fragile underwater coral reef in the Philippines, the Rainbow Warrior ran aground on the reef and caused it significant damage. They ended up doing irreparable harm to the very thing that they were trying to protect. They should have been paying attention. In 2005, Bob Schwartz, a crime advisor to the governor of New Mexico, helped write a law that would allow felony charges to be brought against any owner of a dangerous dog that was involved in any kind of vicious attack. A few months after the law passed, Schwartz was in his own backyard when one of his own dogs attacked him, biting both of his arms and sending him to the hospital. He recovered, but he only narrowly avoided being arrested under the law that he authored. Mr. Schwartz should have been paying more attention. It was supposed to be a celebration that marked the end of Fire Awareness Week. But the festivities were cut short when the two-story fire station where the event was taking place caught on fire. Everybody made it out okay, but the station was severely damaged. And when they investigated the fire, the cause of the fire was a propane tank that had been improperly attached to a barbecue grill that the firefighters were using to feed the crowd. One firefighter said it's very embarrassing that this should happen to people whose job it is to help fires not to happen or to put them out. The firefighters probably should have been paying more attention. There are definitely times in your life when it would be very prudent for you to pay attention. Church is one of those times. Amen? You know, I, I don't know how many of you cook a meal, but uh, I'm, I'm going to assume that every home, every now and then, you put a spread on the table. I know I'm usually elbow deep in all that business. And it would be very frustrating, Sister Anderson, to go to all the time, effort, and energy to prepare a meal and lay it out on the table. And, for, and this happens. Boys, pay attention. For my kids just to ignore it when we call them to dinner because they're too busy doing something else that really doesn't matter. Amen? 
The thing is, they know they're going to get fed. But if you come to church and you, the pastor or preacher or whoever has labored long and hard to put together a sermon that is a word from God for you, the thing about speeches or sermons or, or any kind of public address is that you only get one chance to hear it. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss what saith the Spirit to the church. Amen? Sometimes you just need to be paying attention. That's why pastor will maybe get a little louder sometimes because you're carrying on conversations or you're in your phone or whatever you're doing that it's obvious to the guy behind the pulpit that you're not paying attention. And I know God has a word for you. Amen? But as important as it is to pay attention, I submit to you that there are also times when you shouldn't pay attention. There are certain things and certain times and certain places when you should simply ignore what you're seeing and hearing. Learning to discern the difference in what should be paid attention to and what should be ignored is, is a difficult thing, but it's a very important thing. It's a key to living a victorious life in the Lord. It's a lesson, though, that we don't always learn real well. One morning on the way to church, my wife made a comment about something that didn't really matter to her. And I caught the comment, but I didn't fully get the gist of it. And I, I was reasoning with what she was trying to say, so I questioned her on it. And one question led to another question led to another question until finally my exasperated, lovely wife said to me, Why is it? that on some things that I really care about and ask you about, you don't pay attention at all. But sometimes some of the off-of-the-wall, meaningless comment that didn't mean anything to me, that's when you want to delve into the deeper meaning behind it. So it seemed to me that in my wife's mind, some things she says really matter, while some things don't. It seemed that after 25 years of marriage, I'd have figured out how to tell the difference. But I'm here to tell you I haven't. you think that eventually I'd learn how to know when I should not pay attention. One of the most important spiritual lessons you're going to learn in your walk with God is that there are places and times when you should not pay attention. Sometimes you simply need to ignore what your heart hears and what your eyes see. Sometimes you need to, you need to just hold the course on faith alone and ignore all the sensory inputs that are coming to you. Because if we will allow him, the devil will interject a negative voice to distract us and turn us away from the will and purpose and plan of God for our life. If we will let him, the devil will put voices in our life that will take us away from our promises. And there are some messages from hell they come into your life 
that they try to distract you and try to turn you aside and try to keep you from realizing what it is that God wants for your life that you need to learn to ignore. Amen? There are some naysayers. There are some that are going to be uh, speaking, condemning things into your life. They're going to be pulling you down. They're going to be trying to tell you you're not good enough. They're going to be trying to tell you uh, what you're doing doesn't matter. or What you're doing is not effective. You need to have the ability to overlook that. Amen? That's a skill that a pastor has to very quickly come to grips with. If not, I'm going to promise you, it would absolutely overwhelm your ego sometimes, the, the, the things that you hear as a pastor. Amen? you got to learn when not to pay attention. you got to learn when not to give any credence to what you're hearing because there are some folks who would do their very best to drag you down and suck the very joy out of your walk with God. If you let them, they'll rob you of the very vision and purpose that God has given you. So I want you to know tonight that you have to learn when not to pay attention. That's one of the most important lessons that Jesus demonstrated throughout his ministry. There were always voices uh, that were clamoring for his attention. There were always those that wanted to steer him in a direction that was contrary to his purpose and his plan. There were always those thronging multitudes that wanted to compel him towards an earthly throne. Those eager followers that wanted, to, wanted him to raise up an earthly army and cast off the might of Rome. They wanted to make him a king. They wanted to crown him. They tried to warn him away from the cross and sought to spare him from the pain and the agony that would ultimately result in our redemption. But he would have no part of it. He simply ignored them. Sometimes you need to learn that you just have to ignore what you're seeing and what you're hearing. I want to consider a story this evening from... The New Testament is a story you're familiar with. We're just going to read two verses and we'll get into it. Mark chapter 5, verses 35 and 36. The scripture says, While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. I want to read verse 36 from a different translation. It's a very old translation. It's called the Good Speed Translation. And the Good Speed Translation of verse 6 is really simple. It says this, But Jesus paid no attention to what they said. Jesus paid no attention to what they said. Now, you're probably familiar with this story. This is the story of Jairus. Jairus was a good man. He was the leader of the synagogue. He was a, he was a religious man. And in Jesus' day, the leader of the synagogue was one of the most important people in the community. 
The synagogue was the, the center of religion. It was the center of education and leadership and social activities. And the re- leader of the synagogue was highly regarded. He was the senior relig- religious leader in the community. He was the highest ranking professor, if you will. He was the mayor, the best known citizen. He was the cream of the crop. He was the best of the best. He was everything you could imagine a hero in a community would be. He was all of that rolled up together into one. But Jarius is in a difficult predicament. His situation has taken his power away from him and has put him in the position of a beggar. You see, Jarius was a desperate man because he had a daughter who was deathly ill and he had no means to save her. There was no hope anywhere. There was no cure in sight. There was no way to spare her from death's cold clutches. And so he came to where Jesus was. And he pleaded with Jesus. He begged of Jesus, would you go to my house with me? Would you heal my daughter for me? Would you come to my home today? And would you come and work a miracle on my behalf? I I don't know exactly what transpired, but for some reason Jesus was moved by Jairus' request, and he turned away from what he was doing and turned towards that house of suffering to go work a miracle on Jairus' behalf. But Jairus Jairus had the same kind of luck that I have. Because just as Jesus begins to head for his house, to solve his dilemma in a time-sensitive crisis, somebody else interrupted the Lord's progress. Jesus was stopped by a miracle, by by a a lady who pressed her way through the crowd and, and stopped him in his tracks. That's exactly what would have happened to me. Just as I got to Jesus, just as I made my plea, just as I got him to head for my house, he would stop and proclaim, somebody touched me. Here's Jarius, a frantic father. His daughter is dying. The light of his life is getting ready to go out, and he's doing everything he can to save that beloved daughter. But right in the middle of his miraculous intervention, just as he's got the master headed towards his home with the understanding that when Jesus gets there, the situation's going to change. When Jesus gets there, sickness is going to have to leave. This is the healer. But right in the middle of that miraculous intervention, here comes that little old lady with the issue of blood. And she presses her way into the story that belongs to Jairus. She presses her way under the center of Jairus' stage. She forces her miracle. She pushes her way through the crowd, and, and she presses her problem into center stage. I don't know about you, but I've heard many preachers, I've done it myself, I've often commented on the frustration that the disciples must have felt when Jesus stopped in the middle of the crowd and said, who touched me? You know, like, Lord, everybody's touching you. They're all around you. And we, we talked a lot about that, how, how frustrated they must have been. But what about poor Jarius? I mean, he's finally got Jesus headed to his house. 
and his daughter is at death's door. There's no time to spare. The situation is urgent. The need is pressing. It's a time-sensitive matter. He's in a race with time. He's trying to deliver the healer to his desperately ill daughter before it's too late. But that precious little lady with the issue of blood, she's the showstopper. She puts the brakes on everything. Everything gets put on hold as Jesus addresses that little lady and pronounces her healing and blessing because of her extraordinary faith. And as all of that is transpiring, precious moments are slipping away. As Jesus ministers to that pressing situation, has pressed its way in upon them, Jairus has to be aware any moment now, it's going to be too late. Then to top it all off, here come the naysayers, pressing their way through the crowd with great pomp and circumstance. And in the most uh, official tone that they can muster, those faith robbers step onto the scene and they inform Jairus, it's too late. Uh, she's already gone. Uh, you can almost hear the tone of their voice uh, as if they delight uh, in sharing the bad news. Uh, uh, you held out hope, uh, but your hope is lost. Uh, you thought you were going to escape this, uh, but death has claimed your daughter. Uh, and as soon as Jairus' daughter was pronounced, dead. Uh, these messengers of doom uh, went running uh, to see who could be the first uh, to share that devastating news uh, with that ever hopeful father. The words said it all. Your hope is in vain. Your dream is dead. There's no sense in troubling the master anymore. That's the way the bearers of gloom and doom always act. They always come into the life of a believer just like they came into the life of Jairus that day and they pronounce, your daughter is dead. They said it in such a way that surely Jesus could hear them. They said it in such a way that Jesus, who was leaving whatever task he had been about before to go to Jairus' house to heal his daughter, Jairus, they want to make sure Jesus knows the situation's lost. The circumstance has changed. Why trouble the master? You're wasting his time. The weight of their words is absolutely devastating. Because as the daughter dies, hope dies too. But something wonderful happened in the face of their negative report. Jesus paid no attention. He just ignored them. I know it's an odd translation, but I love it for simplicity. He just ignored them. And that little girl would ultimately be healed because Jesus paid them no attention. I believe there's a valuable lesson that needs to be learned. Every time you set out to receive something from God or accomplish something for God, you can just count on it, honey. You're going to get met by the voice of protest. You're going, to, you're going to encounter those people and situations and circumstances going to try to rob you of your faith. 
Going to try to tell you your hope is wasted. Going to try to tell you you're, you're trying to live above your station. That's, that's more than God ever intended to do for you. Anytime you set out to do something from God, you can count on the fact that those prophets of doom and gloom and despair are going to meet you somewhere along the way. Those naysayers are going to pop up uh, and those negative voices are going to raise up in your life and they're going to begin to speak things uh, that will rob you of your faith. No matter who you are, no matter how long you've lived for God, when you start trying to build something spiritual in your life, you're going to be forced to face the voices that will detract and take away from what God is trying to do for you. Anytime you set out to receive a blessing from God that will make a change in your life, those loud voices of doubt and fear are going to be there. They're going to try to turn you aside. And I am convinced that part of the reason that Jairus' miracle is in Scripture is to briefly give us a small picture of a very important aspect of spiritual warfare. Sometimes you just have to ignore what your eyes see. Sometimes you just have to ignore what your ears are hearing. Sometimes you just have to ignore the circumstance that confronts you because if the devil can just get you to listen to his voice, if he can just get you to harbor the doubt and the fear and the fear that you're going to fail and the fear that it's not going to come to pass and the fear that your miracle is never going to be realized he can rob you of your blessing and handicap you in your walk with God he's a master at that game amen he's the voice that says trouble not the master there's no use in your praying it's too late anyway it's already settled. There's no sense in getting your hope up. Trouble not the master. Your problem is too difficult uh, for God to handle. Uh, trouble not the master. Uh, it's too late now. Uh, the Lord can't help you now. Uh, the situation has gone too far. Trouble not the master. If you read the account in Scripture as they get closer to Jairus' home, the voices of opposition only get louder. Just reading brief segments of Mark chapter 5 and then into and Matthew chapter 9 where Matthew recounts the same story. They told him, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the master? They wept and wailed greatly. When they got to the home, there was a funeral song being played, and the mourners were making a loud, great loud noise, and then they laughed Jesus to scorn. Everywhere they went, every step of the way, those voices just kept getting louder and more overwhelming. But I want to tell you tonight uh, to be very careful uh, to the voices that you listen to when you're moving in a direction towards God. Uh, be very careful uh, at the voices you listen to when you're following the plan and purpose and will of God for your life. Uh, when you increase your commitment to God, when you turn yourself towards Him uh, and you begin to pursue Him with all your heart, uh, as you get closer to God, those negative voices are going to get louder. There's a converse that just occurred to me. If you're not hearing those voices, you might not be walking the right direction. If the enemy's not trying to distract you and turn you aside, if you're not fighting hell, 
you might not be going the direction you ought to be going. That's free. I'm just throwing that out there. When you, when you start trying to get closer to God, you're going to be reminded of every time you've ever failed, of every mistake you've ever made. You're going to be told that the situation is hopeless, that the dream is dead. They'll mock you. Those voices will laugh you to scorn. Others will tell you you're not good enough, that you aren't trying hard enough, that you don't deserve a blessing from God. The devil will try to convince you that your effort is in vain and that your faith is futile. But I come to you tonight with a simple message. Do what Jesus did. Pay no attention. You know, Jesus didn't convene a committee to determine if they were right or wrong. He didn't try to gather a consensus of opinions to, to see what the crowd thought. He simply ignored the negative voices that were coming into his life. There comes a point when you're going to have to do the same thing. You're going to have to make up your mind that you will not listen to all the bearers of bad news. Because if you allow them, all the negative voices will stifle your faith and rob you of your miracle. They'll rob you of the fact that God is already on his way to your house. You hadn't got your miracle yet, but honey, he's already on his way to your house. Uh, I want you to notice the, the voices didn't come uh, before Jesus started uh, to the house. Uh, the voices encountered Jairus after the journey started. The miracle was in motion. God was getting ready to do what Jairus had asked him to do. And then, and only then, come these voices that say why bother the master why trouble him any further the situation is desperate it's it's gone it's it's beyond hope what if Jairus had lost faith what if Jairus had turned to the Lord and said you know they're right my daughter's dead sorry I bothered you there's no need in coming to my house today that's what the voices wanted they wanted to see that heart. Listen, people are compassionate, but some people love to see a disaster. There's always going to be somebody waiting to take delight in your failure. Now, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to name those people in your life. That's in between you and God, but there's always those kind of people that they're just waiting to be able to gleefully celebrate the fact that your hope was in vain, that your faith ran out, that you weren't ever able to accomplish the, the great visions that you had for your life. If Jairus had listened to those voices, what they wanted to do was stop the miracle that was already in the process of coming to pass. This is what I want you to understand tonight. I believe God has already started some things in your life that he's not finished with yet. Don't listen to the voices that are trying to turn you aside. God's got a better thing for you than where you are right now. Don't listen to the voices that are trying to destroy your dreams. They're trying to turn aside your passion for the things of God. There are some miracles that are in progress right now in this house. The master has already started his journey to your home.
but the voices of doubt, fear, and unbelief, they'd love to stop the miracle before it even has a chance to take place. They like to bring the miraculous to a screeching halt. And somebody in this place tonight simply needs to determine that you're going to ignore the voice of the enemy. Tune out the worthless and tune in the promise. Uh, tune out the negative voice and tune in hope and faith. Uh, over and over again, you find the same principle in Scripture. Those who received their miracles and healings from Jesus were those who persisted enough uh, to push their way through uh, the voices that tried to deter them and the obstacles that tried to block their path. Think about the blind beggar on the roadside who cried out to Jesus. Everybody came to hear Jesus talk. But old blind Bartimaeus, he's crying out, Jesus, thou son of David. They said, hush up. Uh, we can't hear what he's saying. Uh, be quiet. Uh, we want to hear him. Uh, keep your peace. Uh, just, just, just stifle all that business. Uh, and he simply ignored them and cried out all the louder. Jesus, the son of David, stopped Jesus in his tracks. Healing came because he pushed through the voices. Those four men who brought their sick friend to Jesus, they were stopped from entering the place where Jesus was because the press of the multitude was too much. There were too many people there. There was simply no way to enter the house where Jesus was. They could have listened to the voice of opposition and took him back home and said, maybe another time. But that's not what they did. Instead, they pressed on until they finally tore a hole in the roof uh, and lowered their friend into the presence uh, of Jesus. Consider the lady with the issue of blood, the one who interrupted Jairus' miracle. She, too, was a testimony to this incredible truth. The press of the crowd was too much for her. The obstacles were too many. No doubt the voice of opposition said, Why bother? Why even push through? Why trouble the master? You can't even get to where he is. And if you get to where he is, you won't ever be able to get his attention. But faith rose up and said, if I can just get within arm's length, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I don't even have to stop him. If I can just touch him, if I can just lay my hands on him, there's healing in him. There's healing in his presence. And so ignoring the obstacles and pushing past the voices, she pressed her way into the presence of God. There's a common thing here. If you want to break through, if you want to receive your miracle, then you're going to have to ignore the voice of protest. You're going to have to ignore the voices that tell you it can't happen, that it won't happen for you. Not only did Jesus ignore the voice of protest, but when he finally got to Jairus' home, you know what he did? He threw all the negative voices out. He said, you've had your say. You pronounced your opinion. Now get out of here and leave me and death alone. Get out of this house. I'm going to tell you what needs to happen. You need to go home. You need to walk into your house, and you need to tell the devil, I've had enough of your voice. 
get out of here and leave me and my miracle alone. Get out of my home. Get out of my life. Uh, you've had your say. You've expressed your doubts. Uh, you told me how bad it is. Uh, you've tried to convince me there's no sense uh, in troubling the master. Now leave me and my miracle alone because my healing's still on the way. My lost loved one is still coming back to God. My children are still going to return to the faith. Uh, my job situation is going to be resolved. Uh, I don't have to give in. Uh, I don't have to accept the inevitable. Uh, I'm going to trust God and believe. I'm going to embrace my miracle. Would you stand with me, Brother Ryan, if you could maybe find something to play. The key to the whole story is the fact that Jesus ignored the voice of opposition. I just imagine that if Jesus had said to Jairus, well, I guess that settles it. Jairus had lost his faith too. I just imagine that if, if Jesus had, had hesitated for a moment, Jairus would have took that as a cue that he needed to do what they were asking him to do. Jesus ignored them. I want to tell you in this place on a Wednesday night, you're going to have to ignore the voices that are telling you it can't be. It won't happen. I'm going to tell you what lays a hold of miracles. Faith lays a hold of miracles. Faith believes what it cannot see. Faith believes what it cannot hear. Faith lays a hold of things that are only hoped for the further into your miracle of faith that you progress the louder the voices of your enemy are going to become but do what jesus did just ignore it because every miracle every breakthrough every tremendous move of god will be accompanied by the voice of opposition and doubt and the individual who receives the promise of God will always be the individual who ignored the naysayers, who ignored the doomsday prophets, who ignored all the reasons why it could not happen. Tonight, if you're struggling with an enemy that is constantly trying to tell you that you're wasting your time, that you might as well give up and quit, that there's no hope anywhere it, you just have to accept the inevitable this is just the way it's going to be it's a pretty good indicator that your miracle is on its way if you just hold on the lord's going to come through if you just hold on god's going to do what he said he'd do if you keep the faith ignore the negative voices Ignore the things that are trying to steer you out of the will and purpose of God for your life. God's going to step into the room and command the opposition to leave sooner or later. And when he does, your miracle is going to happen. Don't let the voices of doubt and fear abort what God is already beginning to do in your life. Make up your mind on a Wednesday night that no matter what happens, no matter what anyone says... You're going to hang on to your hope until the Lord delivers you your promise. Make a spiritual declaration. I will not entertain 
doubt and fear anymore. The circumstances are bleak. I'm just going to ignore them. Everything my eye sees is negative. I'm just going to ignore it. The outcome is questionable. I'm just going to ignore it. Somebody's already struck up a funeral song. They're already weeping and wailing. But I think I'll spend some time alone with the Master rather than listening to the voice of doubt. I want somebody to know on a Wednesday night there's victory in the house. There really is. There's overcoming power in the presence of God. There's a miracle here. Amen. I believe God's already started to do some things. I believe there are doors getting ready to open that you never imagined He could open. But you're going to have to make up your mind right here, right now. I'm going to press on. I'm going to ignore the voice of the enemy. I'm going to ignore the things that are trying to distract me and turn me away from God's purpose for my life. And I'm going to hold out in faith and believe in a promise that's already on its way. Believe in the Lord who is already walking to my house. Why don't you find a place of prayer for a few moments on a Wednesday night. Turn your heart towards heaven. It's time to steal the voice of the opposition. It's time to silence the voice of the accusers. It's time to lift up your voice in the presence of God and tell Him, Lord, I still trust you. I still trust you.